So I briefly tried out doing a video podcast simulcast recording. Last recording. I got one out. I recorded two podcasts. The second one, which was in answer to listener Mike King's question, I completely flubbed up at the end. And I kind of got myself confused. It's interesting, actually, because I don't do written notes with regards to long funks. I try to plan them out in my mind and then execute them based on what is in my mind, which can always be troubling and interesting. But it gives an, a slight jazz element, let's just say, to this podcast. Because I start and sometimes I add bits and pieces, sometimes I do selective editing. But last time I was recording, having a video recording in my face, and you might see this in the YouTube clip if you look it up. Not really the way that I want to be doing these long funk recordings. Listener Mike King asked a question associated with intellectual freedom, and I wanted to start by saying, when I think of an archetype of listeners of folks that I want to be producing podcasts for, Mike King is pretty well up there. The gentleman lives on a farm, and he works a regular job, and his farm is like his after-hours project, and I aspire one day for my after-hours project to be a farm. So, Listener Mike King, thank you for this question. The question was specifically associated with intellectual freedom. I said in a YouTube video, actually, that creating content was a response to a lack of political and intellectual freedom. And Mike King said, political freedom, clearly, very obvious. What about intellectual freedom? Well, actually, it comes down to the same kind of problem. You fail to have political freedom in this country and a bunch of other Western democracies because the two political parties agree about way more than they disagree about. And then you end up with this quite stylized argument pattern, which is you have talking points from the two political parties. And actually, it contains quite a bit of mythology and a bunch of other stuff as well, where you just have to follow that and then you're participating in a political discussion. But if you use like non-approved methods of political dialogue, then you can't participate in a political discussion. You're immediately alienated, isolated, pushed off into a corner to be shot at by occasional AK-47 fire. And what I find curious about this whole thing is that I would have thought to have an independent point of analysis, an independent means of interacting with something would actually give you some degree of benefit. But this political thing, particularly in the US, has become so tightly wound around this mythology and being right and all this kind of other nonsense that if you come to this thing with any kind of different thing, It's a bit like sports teams, right? In fact, it's very analogous to sports teams. If you come in and you don't actually have a sports team, then you can't participate in most discussions associated with sports, or at least team-based sports, because you're you're not affiliated. And if you're not affiliated, then you're not going to be able to argue based on agreed upon points. I will put this to Mike King, that this in a political discussion is exactly what happens in intellectual discussions. You don't have a freedom, a breadth of freedom of topics. And there's a secondary thing which I wanted to raise here as well. As soon as you have any degree of complexity in your argument, as soon as you have any degree of multiple analytical approaches or combination approaches or, you know, understanding things using certain methodologies, if you have to give a preamble to explain the complexity of the problem that you're trying to go through, then you are going to lose a majority of your audience. And what happens in so many things today is that they're agreed upon things, which means that any discourse outside of this agreed upon thing cannot happen. And academics have been very good about this. They've kind of created these framed discussion areas for many, many 
you know, generations. That's the game of academia in some regard. But in popular discourse, historically, I felt there was a greater degree of intellectual freedom that you could start approaching things and give a general narrative and explanation. You could, you know, reach to a variety of different areas and create something typically based upon complexity that would yield an interesting answer or at least interesting dialogue. And that doesn't exist anymore. The nature of conversations about specific topics are so heavily controlled and concatenated, particularly, you know, because of kind of political hierarchy. In my reading of and occasionally listening to stuff associated with the rise of the Third Reich, the impact that fascism had on science, the practicing of science, in fact, what's particularly curious is on one side you have the space race, which is perfectly codified for fascism, hence von Braun, and then you have atomic energy, which is not well codified because unfortunately a bunch of Jews came up with the early, you know, formative elements of this nuclear stuff. So, you know, it's interesting when you have fascism taking the oxygen out of the discussion associated with so much, you also have it taking the oxygen out of intellectual discussions as well. This complexity problem is very real. I have a new podcast that I'm creating called My Rules Are Better, which is associated with the the, the age-old pursuit of creating your own rule sets for games. Something which, you know, cavemen with dice were rolling them and creating their own games. But now it's so heavily formatted, it, rules that be sold and not rolled, you know. This whole thing is so totally designed around capitalism, new version, fork over more money, please, this kind of stuff. But within creating rule sets, there is an apparent complexity. So the way that I address this is just to establish rule pattern and to say this rule pattern has this kind of behavior, this rule pattern has this kind of behavior, this rule pattern has this kind of behavior. Not complicated at all. Rolling dice over time, certain things will happen. Might look complicated. Let's not touch on the mathematics. Let's ascribe terms, simple linguistic terms, to these various things. And then let's create rule sets based on these simple linguistic terms, which then immediately translate to behaviors with dice. So what happens in this culture, this kind of vacuum where you can't do things as one might want to do them, is that you have to be particularly creative. You need to look for other means. You need to be sneaky and devious in order to get to the points of intellectual discussion that you want to get to. And that in and of itself is very, very curious. But I think it is a function of, I am post-singular, and part of being post-singular is that the way in which information is communicated after the singularity is distinctly different to the way information was communicated before the singularity. And I can talk a little bit more about that in a future podcast, but I think the nature of being post-singular is that we have to find new and novel ways of communicating in order to have intellectual discourse. And it's frustrating because a good portion of the energy is associated with moving around the barriers that are put in your place, the barriers that are stopping these conversations from happening. I reflect on what has occurred, particularly with regards to Google searches. For the past 18 months, it's been impossible for people to find my Noble Ape website because of what the, uh, what's, what's the term? A clean out of ideas comedian has come up with this whole thing has eliminated organic searches for Noble Ape, which means that very few people have actually found my 
work through organic searches, which historically brought 95% of the people that discovered my work. And, you know, they just, some of them decided to stick around, participate, this kind of stuff. That doesn't exist anymore. So all these things mean that I have to change the way I do things in order to have the kinds of discussions that I want to have. And certainly coming out with new podcasts next year, coming out with different ideas, putting these things out in slightly divergent forms is all associated with attacking what I feel is a lack of intellectual freedom, uh, but is just as divisive and just as formulaic and just as designed by you know other things as the lack of political freedom in this country. And I think in some aspects, these things are also intertwined. I don't think you want intellectual freedom in these if you were maintaining this kind of fascist top down you know <laughs> very mythologically curious and driven by authority kind of hierarchy that information seems to come through in this modern age so mike king you got to fight the good fight you got to find any means necessary you got to work your way around whatever obstacles are being thrown in your way to get this audio out and to be frank I have amazing freedoms in terms of economic freedoms, in terms of ability to travel, in terms of a wide variety of things. I am incredibly lucky. And unfortunately, the financial elements that I get through working and, you know, participating in whatever I participate in this thing give me freedoms that a majority of people don't actually have. What I want is to assist others, to create more platforms for people to communicate in a way which isn't defined by you know, corporate structures and this kind of stuff isn't defined by well-defined political narratives that can be completely independent of these things and it takes more energy but i think it's incredibly important and once you identify that these things are there once you identify these obstacles you then have to be very creative as to how you resolve them so mike king Fraught with paradoxes, but I hope I've given you some indication of my thinking on this point.